As we come to the Word of God, let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks that You reveal Yourself to us and that even today You speak through Your Word, O Lord. And so I pray that even over this medium of technology and recording and us not all being together in the same place, that You, O Holy Spirit, would use Your Word and would use me, Your servant, to proclaim Your Word. Give us ears to hear and open hearts and minds to receive Your Word as we reflect on and appreciate the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ in our place. It's in His name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you three passages from Scripture as we celebrate Good Friday today. The first passage is found in Numbers chapters, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. It is not what you would call a traditional Good Friday passage. It is an account from Israel's time in the wilderness under the leadership of Moses that God's people started grumbling about food and water again. And as a result, God punished them. And so hear the words now from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This passage shows us God's people continuing to struggle with sin. They had been set free from harsh slavery in Egypt. They had been sustained by the miraculous provision of manna, always having enough to eat, and yet... They still complained. Listen to the inconsistent words of their complaint. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. The Israelites confess that God, through Moses, brought Israel out of Egypt. They confess that God is their Redeemer, but they're not happy about it. And they complain about the lack of food while also saying they have food. They despise the manna, calling it worthless, even though they have received it at no cost. They did not purchase it. They did not plant it or grow it. God simply provided it. 
Israel's lack of appreciation for God's gracious provision was at the root of their sin. As a consequence for Israel's sinful complaining, the Lord sends fiery serpents among them. Now these are some kind of venomous snakes, probably called fiery, not because they breathe fire, but because of the painful poison in their bites. The venom is deadly and many people died because of the bites. They died as a consequence of their sin. And so their response to this crisis was to repent of their sin and ask for God's mercy to take away the serpents. Sometimes God works in this way. Sometimes He clearly sends His judgment against particular sins. But not always. More often in our time, the forms of suffering we face are general consequences of the fall and how humanity's sinfulness has spoiled the world. As sickness spreads through our world with many people dying today, we can ask ourselves, why did God send this virus and this sickness? Without any clear revelation from God in His Word, we are left to say that it is merely a general consequence of sin. Because our world is corrupted by sin, we now suffer the consequences of pain, sickness, and death. Even though these forms of suffering are not the result of any particular sin of ours, they are still opportunities for us to repent of our sin. We repent because we are sinners, and sin is what brought these horrors into the world. These experiences of suffering remind us that our sinfulness has contributed to the corruption of this world. We may not have infected people with a virus, but we have further infected the world with our anger, our jealousy, our greed, our lust, our selfishness, and our unloving ways. And so we repent of these sins as we suffer because we long for God to heal us and the world. Like the Israelites, our repentance leads us to look for the God of healing and hope to show mercy to us. God graciously provided healing to the Israelites by instructing Moses to make a bronze serpent and attach it to a long pole and lift the pole up so that people could look at it. People who were bitten by the snakes simply had to look at the bronze serpent and they would be healed. It was an act of simple faith. Trusting that looking at this God-designed snake sculpture would bring healing. In the world today, I imagine many people would desire such a simple cure to the coronavirus. If only we had some version of this bronze serpent to lift up in every town around the world that infected people could look at and live. We pray for such things, even if they were to come in less snake-like forms. 
We want a simple treatment or an easy vaccine. We want the suffering to stop. But healing, the thing we pray for, can produce an unusual problem. Sometimes when healing is this easy, it starts to feel very much under our control. We can be tempted to look to the healing method instead of the God who graciously provides the healing. And that's exactly what happened with the bronze serpent. Much later in the Bible, in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, we read about King Hezekiah and how he took the throne of Judah. You may remember Hezekiah from our study of Isaiah chapters 36 through 39. He was the good king who trusted in the Lord when Assyria came to attack. Some of the good things that Hezekiah did are listed in 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord. He that is Hezekiah removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. In the very same verse that Hezekiah destroys pagan idols like those to Baal and Asherah, he also destroys the bronze serpent that God commanded Moses to make. Why? He destroyed it because the people had made an idol out of it. They were making offerings to the bronze serpent. They saw it as this holy object that could heal. They no longer saw it as connected to the God who graciously provides healing. And so like the Israelites in the wilderness, the people of Judah showed a sinful lack of appreciation for God's gracious provision. Instead, they only sought to use God's power for their own good without giving Him the proper glory. As simple as the bronze serpent solution was, it was not the answer to Israel's problem. Yes, it healed of snake bites and perhaps other maladies throughout the year, but it did not heal God's people of their deeper sickness of sin. Healing from snake bites or sickness is indeed a great blessing, but no matter how many times we are healed or recover, death cannot be avoided forever. And facing the reality of our own death should cause us to consider our sin-sick soul. What hope is there for sinners like us who may recover from the flu or, the can or cancer or the coronavirus, but we can't recover from our own sin? What hope is there for us? Our hope is found in a better bronze serpent. See, after Hezekiah destroys the bronze serpent, we read no mention of it in the Bible until the Gospel of John. In John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, Jesus brings it up in his discussion with Nicodemus. And so let's hear what Jesus had to say in referencing the bronze serpent. John 
chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus makes a direct comparison between the bronze serpent's healing power and the power of His sacrificial death. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. I want to draw out three points of comparison that Jesus can draw us to. First, by making this comparison, Jesus is saying that there is a danger similar to fiery serpents that threatens the world. The only reason the Son of Man would be lifted up would be to save those who are in danger. And that danger is described later as perishing. But perishing is not simply dying. Jesus contrasts perishing with eternal life. And He talks in verse 17 about condemnation. Meaning that to perish is to suffer spiritual or eternal death. It is the ultimate consequence for our sins. It is worse than any sickness like the coronavirus. It is eternal torment. And so there is a danger that threatens the world. Second, Jesus shows us that the gracious provision to save us is found in God's specific solution. Just like the bronze serpent was the only way for people to be saved from the snake bites, so also the only hope of being saved from our sins is Jesus. We see that where Jesus says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus' death is necessary for us to be saved. To be saved from our sins requires far more than Moses' improvised metalworking skills. The specific solution to our sin required Jesus to be lifted up on the cross and to die in our place. God provided a specific healing solution for our sins. The third point of comparison I want to point us to is that Jesus shows us that though the cost to save us is far greater, the way to be saved is just as simple. We must simply believe in the Son and how He is the greater bronze serpent to whom we look in order to be saved from our sin. John 3.16 is such a well-known verse because it conveys the beautiful simplicity of the Gospel. That whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but will have eternal life. Believing in Jesus means believing who He is. 
that He is the sinless Son of God who took on human flesh. And believing in what Jesus has done for us, that He took upon Himself the punishment we deserve for our sin so that we can be forgiven and receive eternal life with God. This Easter season, as we pray for God to stop the suffering of this virus and to bring healing to the world, let us not forget that a greater danger threatens all people. A danger we cannot protect ourselves from by isolating or quarantining because the danger is within ourselves. We are sinners who deserve to perish under the holy wrath of God. And so may the suffering that we face now lead us to reflect on our sins and our continual need to repent. For it is as we repent of our sins that we better appreciate the gracious provision of God's salvation. That we appreciate the cross. That we appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus in our place. That we appreciate God's mercy to sinners like us. So Christians... Take comfort in knowing that there is hope and healing in Jesus Christ who did all that was required to save us. Like the bronze serpent, He was lifted up for us on the cross so that by His wounds we can be healed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You sent Jesus that out of Your great love for us, You sent Your Son to live and to die and to rise again for us. Lord, we pray that in these times of suffering and disruption, that You would help us to look at our own sinfulness. That the reason the world is so broken and corrupted and fallen is because of sin, and we are all sinners. So God, help us to repent of our sin. Help us to see our sinfulness, but also to see there is a solution that we are to look upon the man on the cross, the man who died for us, and to appreciate what he has done. And to know that he has done it all. For not only was he lifted up on the cross, O God, but You lifted Him up by raising Him from the dead and exalting Him in His ascension to the highest place, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so even now, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is lifted up. And so may we look to Him as our hope for healing and forgiveness for our sins that we too may have eternal life, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.